Chapter Number Ten of Hopalong Cassidy's Roundup. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Hopalong Cassidy's Roundup by Clarence Edward Mulford. Chapter Ten. Peace hath its victories. As they neared the central group of buildings, they heard a hilarious and assertive song which sprang from the door and windows of the main saloon. It was in jig time, rollicking and boisterous, but the words had evidently been improvised for the occasion, as they clashed immediately with those which sprang to the minds of the outfit, although they could not be clearly distinguished. As they approached nearer and finally dismounted, however, the words became recognizable, and the visitors were at once placed in harmony with the air of jovial recklessness, by the roaring of the verses and the stamping of the time. Oh, we're red-hot cowpunchers playing on our luck, and there ain't a proposition that we won't buck. From sunrise to sunset we've ridden on the range, but now we're off for a howling change. Laugh a little, sing a little, all the day. Play a little, drink a little, we can play. Ride a little, dig a little, and rich will grow. Oh, we're that bunch from the O-Bar-O. Oh, there was a little tenderfoot, and he had a little gun, and the gun and him went a-trailing up some fun. They ambles up to Santa Fe to find a quiet game, and now they're planted with some more of the same. As Hopalong, followed by others, pushed open the door and entered, he took up the chorus with all the power of Texan lungs, and even Billy joined in. The sight that met their eyes was typical of the men and the mood in the place. Leaning along the walls, lounging on the table, and straddling chairs with their forearms crossed on the backs, were nine cowboys, ranging from old twenty to young fifty in years, and all were shouting the song and keeping time with their hands and feet. In the center of the room was a large man dancing a fair buck and wing to the time so uproariously set by his companions. Hatless, neckkerchief loose, holsters flapping, chaps rippling out and close, spurs clinking and perspiration streaming from his tanned face danced bigfoot baker as though his life depended upon speed and noise bottles shook and the air was fogged with smoke and dust suddenly his belt slipping and letting his chops fall around his ankles he tripped and sat down heavily gasping for breath he held out his hand and received a huge plug of tobacco for bigfoot had won a contest Shouts of greeting were hurled at the newcomers, and many questions were fired at them regarding the latest from the hills. Waffles made a rush for Hopalong, but fell over Bigfoot's feet, and all three were piled up in a heap. All were beaming with good nature, for they were as so many students playing truant. Prosaic cow-punching was relegated to the rear, and they looked eagerly forward to their several missions. Frenchy told of the barbed-wire fence war, and of the new regulations of Smith of Buffalo regarding cowpunchers' guns, and from the caustic remarks explosively given it was plain to be seen what a wire fence could expect should one be met with, and there were many imaginary Smiths put hors de combat. Kid Morris, after vainly trying to slip a blue bottle fly inside of Hopalong's shirt, gave it up and slammed his hand on Hopalong's back instead, crying, Well, I'll be doggoned if here ain't Hopalong, How's the missus and the deacon and all the folks to em? I hears you and Frenchy's regular poker fiends. Oh, we plays once in a while, but we don't want none of your dust. You'll sure need it all afore the hills get through with you, laughingly replied Hopalong. Oh, you're sure kind, 
but I was a sort of reckoning that we need some more. Professor PDQ Waffles is our poker man, and he sure can clean out anything I ever saw. Be you fellers feel reckless-like and would like to make a pool, he cried, addressing the outfit of the bar twenty, and back your boss of the full house again, huh? Red turned slowly around and took a full minute in which to size the kid up. Then he snorted and turned his back again. The kid stared at him in outraged dignity. Well, what say? he softly murmured. Then he leaped forward and walloped Red on the back. Hey, your royal highness, he shouted. You, 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 whoa. Hang it, you. You slab-sided, ring-boned, saddle-galled shade of a coyote. Do you think I'm only meandering in the misty veils of, of suggestions intruded from various sources? Hades, offered Hoplung. Cheyenne, murmured Johnny. Misty, mistiness of misty, tentatively supplied waffles. Red turned around again. Better come up and have something, he sympathetically invited, wiping away an imaginary tear. And he's so young, sobbed Frenchy. And so fair, wailed Tex. And so ornery, howled Lefty, throwing his arms around the discomfited youngster. Other arms went around him, and out of the sobbing mob could be heard earnest and heartfelt cussing, interspersed with imperative commands which were gradually obeyed. The kid straightened up his wearing apparel. Come on, you locoed angels, queried Charlie Lane, interrupting him. Sweet things, breathed Hopalong in hopeful expectancy. Oh, blast it, yelled the kid as he ran out into the street to escape the persecution. Good kid, all right, remarked Waffles. He'll go around and lick some Mexican and come back sweet as honey. Did somebody say poker? asked Bigfoot, digressing from the kid. Oh, you fellows don't want no poker. Of course you don't. Poker is mighty uncertain, replied Red. Yeah, exclaimed Tax LeBlanc, pushing forward. I'll just bet you to a standstill that Waffles and Salvation will round up all the festive simoleons you can get together, and I'll throw in Frenchy's hat as inducement. Well, if you're sure set on it, make her a pool, replied Red, and the winners divide up with their outfit. Here's a starter, he added, tossing a buckskin bag on the table. Come on, pile em up. The crowd divided as the players seated themselves at the table. The Obaro crowd grouping themselves behind the representatives, and the bar twenty behind theirs. A deck of cards was brought and the game was on. Red, true to his nature, leaned back in a corner where, hands on his hips, he awaited any hostile demonstration on part of the Obaro. Then suddenly remembering, he looked half ashamed of his warlike position and became a peaceful citizen again. Buck leaned with his broad back against the bar, talking over his shoulder to the bartender, but watching Tenspot Davis, who was assiduously engaged in juggling a handful of Mexican dollars. Up by the door, Bigfoot Baker, elated at winning the buck and wing contest, was endeavoring to learn a new step, while his late rival was drowning his defeat at Buck's elbow. Lefty Allen was softly singing a Mexican love song, humming when the words would not come. At the table could be heard low-spoken card terms and good-natured banter, interspersed with the clink of gold and silver and the soft pat-pat of the onlooker's feet unconsciously keeping time to Lefty's song. Notwithstanding the grim assertiveness of belts full of forty-fives and the peeping handles of long-barreled colts, set off with picturesque chaps, sombreros, and tinkling spurs, the scene was one of peaceful content and good fellowship. Ugh, grunted Johnny walking over to Red and informing the person that he, Red, was a worm-eaten prune, and that for half a wink he, Johnny, would prove it. Red grabbed him by the seat of his corduroys and the collar of his shirt, and helped him outside, where they strolled about, 
taking pot shots at whatever their fancy suggested. Down the street in a cloud of dust rumbled the Las Cruces El Paso stage, and the two punchers went up to meet it. Raw furrows showed in the woodwork, one mule was missing, and the driver and guard wore fresh bandages. A tired tenderfoot leaped out with a sigh of relief and hunted for his baggage, which he found to be generously perforated. Swearing at the godforsaken land, where a man had to fight highwaymen and Indians inside of half a day, he grumblingly lugged his valise toward a forbidding-looking shack which was called a hotel. The driver released his teams and then turned to Red. Hello, old boss. How's the gang? he asked genially. We've had a heck of a time this year, Trip. He went on without waiting for Red to reply. Five miles out of Las Cruces, we stood off a son of a gun who wanted the dude's wealth. Then just the side of the San Andre foothills, we runs into a bunch of young bucks who turned us off this year way and gave us a run and fight pretty near all the way. I'm a whole lot farther from Paso now than I was when I started, and seem as I lost the jack, I'll be some time getting there. You don't happen to have a jack I can borrow, do you? I don't know about no jack, but I'll rope your bronc, offered Red, winking at Johnny. I'll pull her myself before I'll put dynamite in the traces, replied the driver. You fellers might amble back a ways with me, then Bud and warriors will be laying for me. We sure will, responded Johnny eagerly. There's nine of us now, and there'll be nine more in a cook tomorrow, maybe. Gosh, you grow some, replied the guard. Eighteen'll be a plenty for them glory hunters. We won't be able to, contradicted Red, for things are peculiar. At this moment, the conversation was interrupted by the tenderfoot, who sported a new and cheap sombrero, and also a belt and holster complete. Will you gentlemen join me, he asked, turning to Red and nodding at the saloon. I am very dry and much averse to drinking alone. Why, sure, responded Red heartily, wishing to put the stranger at ease. The game was running about even as they entered, and Lefty Allen was singing the insult, the rich tenor softening the harshness of the surroundings. I've swum the Colorado, where she's almost lost to view. I've braced the Jaro layouts in Cheyenne. I've fought for muddy water with the Howland Bunch of Sioux, and swallowed hot tamales in Cayenne. I've reared a pitch in Bronco till the sky was underneath. I've tackled every desert in the land. I've sampled XXXX whiskey till I couldn't hardly see, and dallied with the quicksands of the Grande. I've argued with the marshals of a half a dozen bergs. I've been dragged free in fancy by a cow. I've had three years campaigning with the fighting, biting, ninth, and never lost my temper till right now. I've had the yaller fever, and I've been shot full of holes. I've grabbed an army mule plunged by its tail. I've never been so snorting, really highfalutin mad, as when you up and hands me ginger ale. Hopalong laughed joyously at a remark made by Waffles, and the stranger glanced quickly at him. His merry boyish face, underlined by a jaw showing great firmness, and set with an expression of aggressive self-reliance, impressed the stranger, and he remarked to Red, who lounged lazily near him, that he was surprised to see such a face on so young a man, and he asked who the player was. Oh, his name's Hopalong Cassidy, answered Red. He's the cuss that raised that ruction down in Mexico last spring. Rode his cayuse in a saloon and played with the loungers and had to shoot one before he got out. When he did get out, he had to fight a whole bunch of Mexicans and even potted their marshal who had the drop on him. Then he returned and visited the marshal about a month later, took his gun away from him, and then cut the cart to see if he was a prisoner or not. He's a sure funny cuss. The tenderfoot gasped his amazement. Are you not fooling with me? he asked. Tell him you came after that five hundred dollars reward and see, answered Red good-naturedly. 
Holy smoke, shouted Waffles, as Hopalong won his sixth consecutive pot. Did you ever see such luck? Frenchie grinned and sometime later raked in his third. Salvation then staked his last cent against Hopalong's flush and dropped out. Tenspot flipped to Waffles the money he had been juggling and Lefty searched his clothes for wealth. Buck, still leaning against the bar, grinned and winked at Johnny, who was pouring hair-raising tales into the receptive ears of the stranger. Thereupon, Johnny confided to his newly found acquaintance the facts about the game, nearly causing that person to explode with delight. Waffles pushed back his chair, stood up, and stretched. At the finish of a yawn, he grinned at his late adversary. I'm all in, you old son of a gun. You sure can play draw. I'm going to try you again sometime. I was beat fair and square, and I ain't got no kick coming, none whatever, he remarked as he shook hands with Hopalong. Oh, we're that gang from Obar O, hummed the kid as he sauntered in. One cheek was lightly swollen, and his clothes shed dust at every step. Who wins, he inquired, not having heard Waffles. They did, blast it, exploded Bigfoot. One of the kid's peculiarities was revealed in the unreasoning and hasty conclusions he arrived at. From no desire to imply unfairness, but rather because of his bitterness against failure of any kind and his loyalty to Waffles, came his next words. Maybe they skinned you. Like a flash, Waffles sprang before him, his hand held up, palm out. He don't mean nothing, he's only an ignorant kid, he cried. Buck smiled and wrested the colt from Johnny's ever-ready hand. Here's another, he said. Red laughed softly and rolled Johnny on the floor. You jackass, he whispered. Don't you know better than to make a gunplay when we needs them all? What are we going to do? asked Tex, glancing at the bulging pockets of Hopalong's chaps. We're going to punch cows again, that's what we're going to do, answered Bigfoot dismally. And whose are we going to punch? We can't go back to the old man, grumbled Tex. Salvation looked askance at Buck and then at the others. Maybe, he began, maybe we can get a job on the bar 20. Then turning to Buck again, he bluntly asked, Are you short of punchers? Well, I might use some, answered the foreman, hesitating. But I ain't got only one cook, and we'll get you the cook all okay, interrupted Charlie Lane vehemently. Hi, you cook, he shouted. Amble in here and get a rustle on. There was no reply, and after waiting for a minute, he and Waffles went into the rear room, from which there immediately issued great chunks of profanity and noise. They returned looking pugnacious and disgusted, with a wildly fighting man who was more full of liquor than was the bottle which he belligerently waved. This year animated distillery what you seize is our cook, said Waffles. We eats his grub, nobody else. If he gets drunk, that's our funeral, but he won't get drunk. If he wants us to punch for you, say so and we does. If you don't, we don't. Well, replied Buck thoughtfully, maybe I can use you. Then with a burst of recklessness he added, Yes, if I lose my job, but you might sober that Mexican up if you let him fall in the horse trow. As the procession wended its way on its mission of wet charity, carrying the cook in any manner at all, Frenchy waved his long-lost sombrero at Buck, who stood in the door and shouted, You old son of a gun! I'm proud to know you. Buck smiled and snapped his watch shut. Time to amble, he said. End of chapter 10. Peace hath its victories.